So every once in a while, and in this podcast, maybe more than every once in a while, you just have a conversation that goes differently than you thought it was going to go. This episode with Mr. Will Shaw, the CEO of Better Agency, is a great example of one of those conversations. Folks, welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast. We take our listeners from captive to Andy to market domination. I'm your host, James Jenkins. This is episode 47, and we are jumping all the way into the nuance of agency accounting and cash flow best practices. You might be thinking to yourself, wait a second, I thought you said you were talking to Will Shaw, CEO of Better Agency. Yes, I did. And I am, and we are, and this is a great episode for uh, the reasons why you might be scratching your head right now, because uh, Will Shaw is not a a monolithic person. He is interested in a variety of concepts uh, and has been on a bit of a journey in the agency accounting and cash flow world over the last several months, as we will get into uh, in this episode. So as we jump in, do me a favor and subscribe if you haven't already. Drop us a review if that's something you're into, and please share the Agency Freedom Podcast with someone in your circle who needs what we are doing. Also, you are welcome to join us for our weekly Shop Talk call, 11 a.m. Central on Wednesdays. If you want to drop in, uh, add your voice, or just be a wallflower uh, and see what we've got going on. There's no cost involved, and uh, I will drop a link Uh, in the show notes here. Feel free to join us uh, if you'd like. Uh, These calls will be recorded and put on the new website once it is ready, agencyfreedom.com. For now, let's go ahead and jump into the episode 47 with Mr. Will Shaw, Better Agency. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with Riskwell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Action though, right? That is, that's, that's the post. If, if it was a soft fire alarm, uh, I, I would question the efficacy, right? <laughs> that's a, that's a All fair right. point. So you guys are never going to hear the first recording because it was rudely interrupted uh, by an extremely loud fire alarm in Will's building. But uh, yeah, <laughs> never mind what we talked about before. Uh, I'll just start this off by saying this is not the episode you think you would hear when I sit down with Will Shaw, CEO of Better Agency. Uh, it's not going to go the direction that you might expect. We're probably not going to talk that much at all about Better Agency or uh, the platform and why you should check it out and why it's amazing and all, all those things. Uh, my personal opinions on BA are very well documented at this point, and I don't like repeating myself. So unless there's something new and meaningful to share, let's go back and listen to the last thing that I said about BA. Hasn't changed since then, my opinion at least. Obviously, BA changes feels like you know once every two weeks there's something brand new on the platform, but whatever. That's outside the scope of this conversation. So, Will Shaw, thank you for joining me, sir. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. No, you uh, you reached out on Messenger and asked a couple of questions that really got these two insurance nerds 
in in entrepreneur nerds more than insurance, I should say, because you're not a nerd for insurance. You you don't care about the practice of insurance nearly as much as I do, uh, being all the way into it. But you're definitely an entrepreneurship nerd for that's for darn sure. So you reached out and asked about some questions about my opinion on the differences and the way that retail agents go about the practice of cash flow management and just general accounting practices because BA is working on some very, very big stuff uh, in the area of uh, helping with accounting stuff, you know, uh, tracking premium and commissions and fees and, and getting ready for some really big rollouts later this year for ENS commercial support and agency bill support and other stuff. That's, I'll let you talk about that. But then we both recognize the fact then this is something that we don't really ever talk about on the podcast because it's really nuanced. And some people are going to immediately turn off the episode when they realize that we're talking about relatively in-depth accounting practices, you know, cash versus accrual and best practices for retail agents. We've already caused some people to start snoring. But you and I spent, what, 30 minutes after 7 p.m. Uh, talking about some of this stuff as I'm pushing my kids on a swing set. Yeah, you're pushing your kids on a swing I, set. I'm hopping, I'm walking in the backyard playing fetch with my dogs. And my, you know, I got a two-year-old daughter running around with her hair on fire too. And we're just talking about commissions and insurance. <laughs> I, I remember sitting there because my wife was in the kitchen window and I, I, I was pacing in my backyard as I'm sure most people do when they're on the phone. Same. And my wife in through the kitchen windows, like raising her arms in the, what are you doing? Sort of raising your arms. And I just said, you know, pointed to the phone as in it's an important call. And I had to explain later exactly what it was. And she's just like, yeah, you, you're just a nerd. There's no way around it. Yeah. She's like, you're doing what at 7 PM? You're talking to who? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's just par for the course at this point in my life. She knows what she's getting after 11 years of marriage. Yeah, but uh, no, I, 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 I'm sure my wife loves when I wake her up at 9 p.m. at night because I just got through an earnings report on an insurance <laughs> carrier uh, while she's seven months oh, pregnant, uh, and I got to tell her about something exciting about you know a loss run ratio comparison between you know uh, a, a captive versus an independent, and, and she's real thrilled about that. Let me tell you, man. Shout out to the ladies and and the men too i'm sure there's some husbands of the hashtag boss babes out there that just don't get excited about the same things but shout out to those of you that are uh, forced to participate in conversations that don't excite you the way that it excites us uh so yeah tip of the hat to you for sure now well what did uh what did you have in mind for for this episode because i know there's some things that you want to discuss that you want to make sure that people are aware of as far as like landmines that are sitting out there waiting to blow up in people's faces. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have a feeling this is one of those episodes like it was with Eric Scholey, where we really don't know exactly where the episode is going. Right. We just know that it's going to be good. Well, you never know where it's going with Eric. I love Eric. He's a good friend. Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. The, the original Viking himself. Um, yeah. Thanks, Aurora. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's funny. I, I don't know that, you know, I know where exactly this will go, but it's, it's, you know, going even back to our conversation and, and, you know, before we were rudely interrupted by a fire, fire alarm drill, uh, that nobody in our office paid attention to. And I probably shouldn't say that, but we'll have to get that under. It's good risk management, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I promise I won't tell your insurance agent, David Carruthers, exactly what just happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because as we moved and you kind of know the the migration of better agency is, you know, we were talking about this It's like, well, what do we call ourselves internally? We don't even talk about CRM versus AMS because there's so much meaning behind that. We really focus on this idea. Like, listen, you know, we're all about agency success and we're the agency success platform. And at the end of the day, we want to help agencies sell more premium, sell more insurance, uh, and be great at what they do. And so as a part of that, as we've gone through and we do have CRM, we do have AMS features and things like that. And that's obviously where we, you know, you know, some of the features we provide and you pigeonhole is one of the conversations that we talk about every single day is accounting Um, and the wide spectrum of opinions that come in, both from small agencies to what I call like the family agencies, the two, you know, the large 250 plus eight, um, uh, 250 plus employee independent agencies out there is the wide spectrum of opinions 
and passionate opinions of if you're doing it this way, it is incorrect. And this is what this person said. And this is what this person said. And, the, you know, what's going on there. And so I, I started getting a lot of that in, in, the tw- in 2020 and 2021. And so I spent a lot of time diving into that, bringing in different advisors to really understand that. Because if we're getting that, these questions from agencies coming on board, not just like onto our platform, but we're getting these questions from people we're talking to in the space we got to figure out what's the best answer here. And we, and so that led me on this, you know, probably a six month journey of just talking with anybody who would sit there and have an in-depth conversation with me about accounting. I talked to CPAs that had nothing to do with insurance. I had talked to CPAs that were insurance agents as well. I talked to CPAs for insurance agencies. I talked to advisors in the space, consultants for different programs. I talked to anybody that would, you know, talk, you know, I talked to the CFO of a agency that's doing a billion and a half of premium every year. Um, I talked to anybody that would talk to me. No, and I think this really is such a critical thing. Uh, it, it is so easy for people that are only doing, you know, inside the box direct bill, where their entire agency is inside the box direct bill, to just completely ignore and gloss over the whole thing. Because you've got two categories of carrier, and there's there's a lot of carriers in both categories. There's the, you know, paid in full via full commission at inception, and then the pay as earned carriers. I'm a huge fan of the pay as earned carriers because it, ju- it just makes it a lot easier from internal cash flow management of setting aside reserve accounts and, and you know setting up your own bank accounts correctly and making sure that your internal practices are such that you're never stuck with a oopsie you know, where a cancellation or a chargeback ends up hurting you in some big way. But the difference between, for those of, uh, of our audience that are not familiar with the differences, why don't you give us a quick rundown of, uh, within the context of a retail insurance agency, of the difference between cash accounting and accrual accounting? Yeah. Yeah. And you could probably talk better than I can about the actual insurance aspect, but just in accounting in general is you have cash and accrual based accounting, right? And so this is, you know, this is where the QuickBooks of the world live. This is where, you know... Um, Zero lives. This is where um, a couple of you know large platforms live. Is the ability of how are you basically how are you accounting for what? I mean, you can look at revenue, but I really look at it as expenses. Is like, are we looking at things on a cash basis or an accrual basis? One of the easiest examples I can give is when you pay for a subscription upfront. Are you looking at that as an a cash expense today, and that's it? Or are you looking at accrual? Are you breaking that up by month based on based on your accounting? So you're looking at a cash base or, or a, an accrual basis. Same idea as you're taking money in and somebody pays you all up front. Are you looking at it all up front cash or are you looking at accrual? Like for us internally, a better agency is if somebody pays for a subscription up front, we look at that broken down for each month. So if somebody says, hey, we're going to pay five grand or you know, you know, let's use six grand for ease of numbers. Somebody pays six grand, we're, we're going to go on an accounting method that says, hey, that's $500 a month for the next 12 months. Yep. And so you guys have reserve accounts that are set aside for accrual functioning so that you have it broken down where each and everything that comes in the door is already broken down into its accrual basis. Correct. Yeah. And so I got to say, my opinion on this has definitely evolved. Uh, my practice on this is is in the middle of evolving because for the longest time, I did what virtually everybody does. Uh, that I am aware of the agents, the certainly the small ones, almost nobody is on an accrual basis. Right. Uh, and everybody that I have been around over the years, virtually everybody counts the revenue when it's earned and they stick it in the bank account and move on. And that's definitely the easier way of, of doing it. But uh, as I you know, evolve in my practice. And certainly as I've done the CPCU designation and gone through those classes, especially CPCU 540, which talks about finance and accounting for insurance carriers and and learning in depth the revenue model of an insurance carrier and how they look at things, you know, breaking down the two sources of revenue for a carrier, underwriting profit and investment profit, you know, and understanding how all of that stuff works is outside the scope of this conversation, obviously. But looking at the accounting equation, the basic accounting equation, like day one of your accounting class in college or or whatever, you know, equity equals assets plus liability. And just recognizing the fact that 
a carrier doesn't consider unearned premium to be an asset. Right. A carrier considers unearned premium to be a liability that's sitting on its balance sheet. And their whole revenue model is structured in such a way that on a, depending on how it's set up, a day, a week, a month, whatever, they are moving over from liability to asset in an ongoing fashion continually. It's like that, studying for CPCU 540 really made me pause and go, well, wait a second. The retail agency should be no different if we're being totally kosher and by the book. And then obviously we have the conversation of, you know, time value of money and how hard is it to set up accrual-based accounting and cash flow practices. But man, this is a really important thing if you're planning to grow big, if you're planning to do agency bill especially. Now, it's not that big of a deal for inside the box direct bill because, I mean, you're going to have midterm cancellations once in a while. But yeah, I mean, a midterm cancellation for a direct bill inside the box is not going to kill you. It's not, but yeah, an agency I mean, bill, that, midterm cancellation runs and you know what kind of relationship do you have with your carrier, right? Like that's not going to be the end of the world for you. Um, yeah, I, you know, I kind of bucket the agent. You know, if your personal lines, assuming, I mean, maybe if you're doing like ENS specifically, maybe you're doing some agency bill. But for the most part, if you're doing personal lines, you're doing direct bill, and this that's the easiest accounting method here, like. And, and that's what's been interesting to me is is talking to how many people want to use specific platforms versus using like a QuickBooks online. Mm-hmm. You can just have it flow through there. I mean, that's the, I mean that's as traditional as a business model as it gets. If if you're direct bill, you get paid the commission every month by your by the carrier goes into your account and you're good to go. I mean, just make sure you get paid what you're getting paid, which has been an interesting uh, uh, discovery for us because we actually automatically audit everything coming from carriers. Um, to make sure that, you know, what you indicate for commissions is correct. But that's been an interesting, you know, uh, uncovering. But that's the simple Wait, part, right? wait a second. Will, do you mean that the commission reports that are generated by the carriers aren't always 100% accurate for the applicable commission schedule? I'm not you, saying you mean there's that's mistakes the case. Made? I'm just saying there's, you know, this stuff happens. Um, it's also interesting how many, like, asterisks go into everything. A lot of – some agencies know this, right? Like, hey, I wrote, a, I wrote a driver with this carrier that has a DUI, and I know my commission on that is going to be slightly smaller, right? But some people don't know yeah. that. Honestly, I find it absolutely terrifying to – to think about all the different possible permutations of a commission schedule. It is. There's and no at the end of the, to be clear. There's it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, in keeping track of it, you, you really have to come down to the question of how much of this is really worth your time and how much is driving net profit to the bottom line. And, you know, shout out to, to Don and Roe Polzinski at RD advisory group. I have them as my fractional CFO and uh, they have, really blown up my knowledge base. But we moved to a, a revenue, or excuse me, a compensation model for our team that's based on net revenue growth instead of commissions at all. Like entirely. I pay I'm a base more salary. Agencies doing for, that too. I think it's great. But here's the thing, man. And this, I'll let me just soapbox for a second. The traditional model pays a split. You pay a certain amount for new business. You pay a certain amount for renewal. Maybe there's a base, maybe there's not. You know, for your service team, you have some kind of a split percentage on service and then they have, you know, their base for what they do. And then all of that gets rolled up and you do commission reconciliations based on, you know, all of your carriers and you go in your management system and pull all of your direct bill statements and then reconcile everything. It generally takes several hours, uh, you know, a month, and someone usually has to go through every commission statement and reconcile. Right. So then, accounting and cash flow and accounts payable, accounts receivable, if you're doing a direct bill, becomes a real headache. It is. And I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here moving forward and trying to figure out how in the world we scale without hiring an actual, you know, accounting and billing manager. Uh, and at at the size we are, that's simply not feasible. That's not a revenue generating position at this point. So now the, the, the move to net revenue growth was really simple. Yeah. We just said, hey, you know, we ended 2021 with X number of dollars in total revenue. Right. Okay. Well, what did we end 2020 with? Okay, cool. So we've got a baseline for net revenue growth from 20 to 21. So we start January 1 and pay everybody a base based on 
where we are as payroll as a percentage of total revenue, which we try to follow the big eye best practices and, you know, try to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 42%. All story told, we're more like 52, 53% right now. But all of that becomes so much easier when you can stop. And the whole reason I got on this rabbit trail that we're on right now is sharing with everybody one, commission reconciliation is quite possibly the most miserable thing any retail agent does. It, it is tedious and time-consuming and is definitely not revenue-generating. So, I've become a huge advocate for the consideration of moving to a compensation model that is based on net revenue growth. I will say this, and I know you haven't seen this, and this will be my only plug on this, is our new commission reconciliation tool does that automatically, both reconciling from the, from the carrier as well as to your commission program for your agents based off every deal that they recorded and making sure that that statement comes in from the carrier. Uh, and that's probably mm. the part we're most excited about is because we can take that non-revenue generating activity off the agent so that they can be focused on a revenue generating activity. So I'm excited. Yeah, I know we're not going to focus a lot of our time and energy on better agency, but you want to talk about a flex that you get to do because you have data coming in from Ivan's. And, and that's something that a CRM can't do because it doesn't have the data that's baked in. That, that's only possible when you're getting the data direct from the carriers. Yeah, we get the data direct from them. And we've spent a painstaking amount of time looking at every carrier's commission report to reconcile directly with them uh, to mm. make sure that, that that amount is correct. Um, so like, let's say you recorded a sale. We go back to make sure that that policy we actually got paid commission on, for example. Um, and so it does that mm. automatically. So if you recorded a sale that you did not get, let's say you recorded a sale in February, you did not get a commission on that in, in March from that carrier. We're going to bubble that up to say, hey, what's going on here? Right. It's nothing mm. going on. Why is there a sale recorded here? But there's no commission uh, from a commission uh, reconciliation process. And the other part we will is that it does is it'll plug into your commission program. So you can customize your commission program, your commission splits, your spiffs, your bonuses, whatever it is for producers it'll automatically add everything into your program by agent based on what commission program they're at. So it gives you a nice sum at that very bottom that says, here's the commission, here's the bonus, here's anything else you may want to add on. So that's a pretty, it takes the manual effort. That's incredible. So you are able to, you as the retail agent would be able to simply plug in the way that your office is set up as far as base and percentages. And obviously this whole conversation is predicated on the assumption that you've got accurate data being reported to BA as far as commission percentages, byline of business and whatnot. Um, but are you able to pull any of that from the carriers? Because some of that varies by state. Yeah, some of it varies by state. And again, it varies by type of even deal that you, you sell. But yes, so as like the agency owner, you go in and you can put in your different, you know, your, let's say your base pay, your commission, any bonuses or overrides that you have for your specific sale producer payroll. Mm -hmm. And so we'll count, we'll associate like every commission that comes in from the carrier. We take in all of that number, feed that back into our system based off what that producer actually sold for that month um, and associate back to them so that we can reconcile everything automatically. Cool. Now, let's just pull back for just a second yeah. because I realize that, you know, we are now almost 20 minutes into this conversation and we're probably all the way into the weeds and some people have already lost interest and stopped listening. So, for those that are not necessarily familiar with exactly what Better Agency does, uh, if you are that person, then you haven't listened to a lot of previous episodes. Uh, well, why don't you give us the the 60-second version of what is Better Agency and why should the listeners care? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say what Better Agency is, is, you know, we get labeled a lot as a CRM, as an AMS, because we do, you know, we've called ourselves that. And then we do a lot of that. We do a lot of those, what I would call AMS features uh, and a CRM features and, and solutions. I think at the end of the day is, you know, we're all about agency success. And so we look at this as the agency success platform. Um, and whether you use our platform or not, we are all about creating a community of agency success. And um, where we really try to focus is helping agencies sell more premium, sell more insurance, and being great at what they're great at. That's why we came out with that commissions feature. Was it Fantastic. The, so for those you know, of you that are... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, you broke up for a second. I thought you were done. My bad. Go ahead and finish. No, I was just saying we were just trying to take the non-revenue generating activity off the hands of the agent so that they can be focused on revenue generating activities 
Uh, we try to take all of the redundant uh, admin work so that agents and producers can hmm. be focused on selling insurance. So before I say something, I have to remember that you, there's a certain announcement that has not yet been made public of a certain very exciting new feature that will be included uh, in BA. Do you, when is that announcement being made? <laughs> well, uh, we got a couple of them. So certain, I, I'm only guessing at which one you're speaking of. But I, th- There's a certain acquisition that happened that will be rolled into BA's feature set. And I don't know exactly when that announcement is being made because this episode that we're recording on March the 9th, it probably is being released at least two, if not three weeks from now. So I don't know if it's public knowledge yet, you, so I'm being coy. You're, yeah, you're putting me on the spot here. I do not think it will be released by the time this releases, but my guess is going to be sometime this spring. Okay, so that announcement will be made sometime within the next month or two. Yes. Okay, cool. So for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, suffice it to say that there's a, an absolute uh, landmark announcement coming from BA on something very exciting. Uh, that will be an even greater value for the people that are on the platform. So I will continue to be coy and say that in addition to checking at least two, if not a lot more than that, boxes uh, of the tech stack that the typical agent is looking for, AMS and CRM uh, being included, uh, it's been known for a while that you guys are working on building out uh, a raider that at some point will be uh, added to the feature set of better agency. Uh, so get get in and get on uh, on board and enjoy the ride uh, as as I found out when I joined in October of 2019 uh, very very early user uh, there is an incredible ride that happens when you are on a an insurtech startup uh, there's what we've talked about in the past of the early adopter penalty as I call it uh, where you get to take advantage of the new cool thing before the masses do but you also have to navigate the challenges of a feature set that is not yet fully developed and mature. Uh, So there's definitely some give and take. Uh, But I I thought it was useful to just describe exactly uh, what BA is and what it does for the agent because, you know, a lot of people are finding this podcast along the way and may not be going back and listening to our back catalog. So um, I I wanted to talk a lot in this episode and, and devote some time to the subject that kind of sparked the interest of us having this recording at, at all, which really is cash flow management and just best practices on, you know, the back office side of things from a retail agent. I know you've had some a lot of conversations on accounting and on cash flow and all those things, and you got some strong opinions uh, on on what retail agents should be doing to to better align their activities with yeah. the reality of the way money works. Yeah, it, I mean, it was it, you know, I know we talked about this, but you know, to give context is. We just, whether it was users or people that was going that were going through a lot of what our content is creating, they're just asking questions. And I wanted to have an educated response. And a lot of the questions I was getting it every day, and I still do, is, hey, what about accounting? Like, what are we doing for accounting? And, you know, again, I, I started entering the insurance space maybe in 2016, but I, I, I considered myself more of a, a tech entrepreneur that's now found home in the insurance space, in the, in the insure tech space. And so yeah. what's interesting to me about accounting is I've never worried about accounting. I'll go up to a CPA, put it in, in QuickBooks Online, and we're good to go. And that's 95% of the industries out there. But in insurance, what happened is I started getting various degrees of opinions, passionate opinions, from a lot of people that I spoke to, from you know retail agents to large brokerages to MGAs to carriers to, you know, agencies that are doing a billion plus in premium every year. And it was just interesting to me. And so I, I just started talking to everybody. And I think I mentioned this. I was talking to CPAs that are insurance agents. I was talking to non-CPAs that are outside of insurance. Um, I was talking to consultants that specialize in accounting in the industry. And I just wanted to understand, like, where, where are people coming from? Where Why is there so varying degree? Why is there such a varying degree of opinions on this? Um, and I... I just spent a lot of time researching you and I've had several conversations on this. And so, yeah, I think I do have some strong opinions on this and, and I spent a lot of time researching this. Not that I'm, I'm going to call myself an expert and I'm not, I, I openly claim that I know nothing. I try to go and find more information. Um, but it was just interesting to me how many varying degrees 
of opinions that were on specifically how to handle accounting. Is it cash-based? Is it accrual basis? What if we're doing direct bill? But what about agency bill? What about, you know, paid up front versus, you know, earn as you go versus what if we do premium finance and just those varying degrees that came in. And so I wanted to find a standard answer that made a lot of sense for most agencies with some varying degrees of opinions based on some subtleties. But in most industries, and my argument was insurance shouldn't be different. It was accounting was standard. So why is insurance different? And so I tried to go figure that out. Yeah. It sounds like your own little, uh, uh, Odyssey, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was like, like I Odysseus. It my pet project. I talked to our team and like my wife about it every day. I was like, I talking about accounting today. Who wants to talk to me about accounting? Yep. So when I boil down the whole conversation, it really comes down, in my opinion, to the difference between written versus earned. Right. Be- because when something is earned, yeah, we're on we're on cash now. Good deal. But if something is written but not yet earned, that's really where we're talking about. And we get all the way in the weeds. And it, it is this is definitely a nuanced episode. I recognize that. What I'm advocating for and what I'm in the middle of trying to figure out how to do, uh, and, and not just figure out, but how to implement effectively in my office, is finding that balance between internal cash flow of at what point do I consider this actual revenue versus just sitting in an unearned reserve account that is not actually revenue yet until it's earned. Right. You know, do we do that? It's certainly not daily because that would be entirely too much work and we're not large enough to have that be relevant yet. But is it weekly or is it monthly? You know, at what point do we say, okay, uh, we're now going to take the next portion and move this out of a reserve account into an actual, you know, operating account. Right. Because the di- the difference can be very significant, especially when you start doing larger agency bill stuff, you know, especially when you're working on the ENS side of things, where there's not a carrier who's handling it for you. So, you know, you only have to get smacked upside the head once or twice to recognize there's a very, very big difference between written and earned. Right. 100%. And I, I think that's where there's a key difference, differences in that written versus earned. So, can you, like, ju- let's dive into the because I think this is where, you know, we get a little bit more into the weeds is on the written, but not earned. So let, let's walk through yeah. that, that scenario here. So here is where I go back to the way that the carrier handles right. it. You and know, I love how you, carrier... you broke this down to me on the conversation. And I thought it was the best explanation when we were talking in our backyards that one day is when you broke down exactly how the carriers did it. I was like, that's right. That is how you do it. And then how that affects you as an agency it just made sense to me. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I-N-T-E-L-L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel. Cast certified. Well, and I I love the way that the carriers do it when they pay the commission as earned uh, because that is definitely the cleanest way because in that situation, you have virtually zero potential of any chargeback. And then obviously the Mm -hmm. argument is, yeah, but I want my money so I can do with it what I will. And if I want to invest it in some way, 
then so be it. Because right. I know, you know, my uh, my CFO puts his earmuffs on when he hears me talk about this. But if you take a crypto stable coin like USDC or Tether or something like that, you can get six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent interest on a on a coin that is one point zero zero and is not going up or down. There, there, there's so, there's nothing new about that too. Like th- to be clear, like this is how insurance was done back in the day. Is agencies yeah. would when you did. You know, carriers would pay pay out front, and you'd have to put in like a trust account or whatever it was. And a lot of a lot of old school agencies still do it mostly this way: is they'd invest in CDs because they'd be holding it for yeah. X amount of time, and they yeah. would earn some interest on that. Well, and this is a complete rabbit trail that I I will acknowledge because I know this is a big thing that they're working on eventually when they loop in the carriers. But Ascend is you know doing all of these things on the carrier and MGA side, trying to close that loop of how long it takes a carrier or an MGA or a wholesaler to get their money. Because when you think about it, you know, the retail agent has up to 30 days to pay, then the MGA or wholesaler has 30 to 60 days to pay. So we're talking about potentially, you know, 90 or 120 days before the carrier ever gets their money. And when so many of these carriers are operating on an underwriting loss basis where their combined ratio is north of, you know, 95, 96%, so their underwriting profit is near zero or potentially in the red. And then we talk about an inflationary environment in the economy where the investment income is significantly reduced from where it was even a few years ago. And then you wonder why rate increases are going up for premium. It's like, well, the carrier has a certain revenue target and profit target that they're going after. And if they're not able to achieve an underwriting profit, and they're not able to achieve an investment profit, well, they got to take a rate increase to stay solvent. Right. And so they don't dip into surplus and cause themselves reinsurance problems. And then the whole, the whole system destabilizes at that point. Right. Yeah. So I, I recognize that that is an extremely nerdy thing to say. Uh, to, to pull it back to something that's practical and rational for a retail agent, you know, what that means is if we're going to be operating like the carriers do, then we have to make a distinction between earned and written. So right. if we are collecting in full, you know, then we need to be figuring out, okay, how much of this is earned and how much of this is unearned. And if it's unearned, then by all means, you need to have it set aside so it's not intermingled with your operating capital. So if you do have a chargeback uh, or cancellation, you know, your client gets bought midterm and their policy is canceled because they were acquired, which is happening more and more. Yeah. You know, the the M&A activity is not limited to the insurance industry, my friends. No, yeah, it's not, it's not activity insurance, everywhere. it's everywhere. Yeah, and you know, the whole, oh, I'm not going to have a midterm cancellation. Maybe you won't. Maybe you do everything right, but your insured gets bought or they decide to sell the company and, you know, close up shop or do something else. There's any number of reasons why you would have a midterm cancellation. Yeah. And you only have to have one or two that sting, you know, where you have four figures of commission. Yeah. I mean, I have a, a, a bill from Liberty Mutual sitting on my table back there for $3,300 in return commission. Right. That hurts if I'm not ready for it. Right. And you I know, that can mess up your entire budget. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the key differentiator because I heard it a lot was like, hey, if you're doing agency bill, you got to be prepared to do, you have to have a whole separate accounting system than what you were doing with direct bill. And the reality is like, well, yep. hold up so fast, right? Like what kind of agency bill are you doing, right? Like, And I think that's yep. the key point where you mentioned, you know, carriers pay as earned, then you don't have chargeback potential, right? Versus yep. unearned, now you have some potential where you got to make sure your accounts are set up, um, you know, whether you call it a trust account or however you set it up, where you're prepared for that scenario. And that's where, you know, having a good outsourced bookkeeper, an outsourced CPA becomes really, really good. Right. And it becomes an excellent way to spend money because I can hear the complaining in my ears right now where our, our freedom jumpers are out there going, James, I just don't have time for that. There's, there's no room in my day for figuring out how much of this commission is earned, how much is not yet earned, and figuring out how much do I need to move out of my reserve account into my operating account on a weekly or monthly basis. And it shouldn't be a part it's of like, your job. Yeah, it shouldn't it be. It shouldn't be. Like, to your point, I think that's where you know, we, we have even internally a better agency. Like one of the first people we brought on was a, a financial service advisor. 
right? Like before we could hire it internally because I, what, I can't spend my day worrying about, you know, cash versus accrual accounting and making sure accounts like, like that's just not a best use of time. Right. And the reality is, is, you know, if you're making the jump from a, you know, a captive market to the independent market is you may not be starting right away with agency bill and whether it's earned versus unearned commissions and things like that. So is, do I hear you correctly that this is something that BA is going to be able to help with at some point where you plug in the information and BA will do that for you, help you calculate what is earned versus unearned and say, Hey, you know, congratulations, X number of dollars in revenue has now moved into the earned category. Yeah. And I think it depends on, again, your relationship with the carriers um, and and who's paying, you know, who's paying it out. Is it, you know, where is it paid all up front? Was there a premium finance? Uh, You know, how things are going there? Um, You know, how do you, how, what's your relationship with the carrier? Like, are you paying the carrier X amount? So it, it gets a little bit subjective there, but I think the easiest thing that we're seeing is for a long time, you know, I was hearing from a lot of people in the industry is, Hey, you got to use, you know, maybe some of these different legacy providers to handle accounting correctly for insurance because insurance is so unique. But the interesting part is you talk to, you know, uh, accountants and CFOs that are outside the industry. They're like, no, this is this is pretty out of the book. Like, this is not unique to insurance. We see this in the payment space. We see this in uh, the financial services space. We see this um, in, in various different spaces. Um, and it was interesting because there was like a, a pretty large pushback. A lot of people are using QuickBooks online. And then there was a pushback by people in the industry that saying, hey, you can't use QuickBooks because of accrual versus cash-based accounting. And then, you know, you talk to the CFO at an agency that's doing a billion and a half in premium. And they're like, yeah, we use QuickBooks online. What do you mean? Uh, it's, it's like, well, I don't know. You tell me. Why, why are some people so anti-QuickBooks online? I don't understand. Um, and so you start digging into, you know, some of these questions a little bit like, you know, of because what I was trying to figure out is how do we solve this, not just for our clients, like how do we solve the accounting question and make it really easy for them? But we wanted to solve and say, like, okay, how, you know, if you're an agency owner and you're not sure to do about accounting, what, you know, what are best, some of the best resources? And that's kind of what like led us to start trying to dig into this. Yeah. And it goes back to the conversation and just the, the simple piece of advice. If, if you ever want to get big, you have to act big long before you're big. Yeah. Or else it's going to be a lot harder but to ever get this. Big. So I'm going to tie into that. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to tie into that because this no, is the good. number Go one. For it. This is the reason I got from everybody. I was like, hey, why are you why are you so worried about maybe not using a QuickBooks online or something? And I'm not trying to like promote QuickBooks. I have no like relation. They're massive. I don't, you know, I don't know anybody at QuickBooks. Yeah. I'm just, well, they're, they're the gold standard. Right. They're, yeah. they're the one that everyone's compared right. to. And so I asked the question, I was like, well, what, you know, like, like besides like making sure like your trust account and all of this, if you're doing a lot of agency bill, right. Besides making sure all of that is actually set up and reported correctly. Right. Cause that's the biggest deal is making sure you can report on that correctly and you're good to go on your accounts. What's the most important thing to your accounting? And the response I always get is like, I want to make sure our books are in order in case we ever go to get acquired down the road, right? Or we ever decide, you know, if something happens like that, I want to make sure our books are clean. And so it's interesting because if you talk to any of the private equity groups that are heavy in the M&A, there was 1,300 acquisitions of independent insurance agencies in 2022. It's the most of the time. Uh, it was a big jump or 2021. It was a big jump from 2021 where there was about 900 and some. I'm expecting to see about 14 or 1,500 this year in 2022 is... Though the CFOs and the LPs and the financial and the data analysts that are behind the private equity groups that acquire insurance agencies, do you know what they're trained in? QuickBooks Online and Excel. Like <laughs> they're all trained in QuickBooks. Trust me, I talk to them all the day. Like there's no like better agency has raised funds. Like we deal with LPs and data analysts and investors all day long. These are all this, you know, we have, we've worked with the private equity groups that acquire insurance agencies. We're constantly having conversations with them. Yep. All they look at is, is QuickBooks Online all day and Excel docs. That's it. There, there is no, like, if you go to hand them some kind of like accounting software that's not a QuickBooks or a Zero or one of the, one of the gold standards and you try to hand them like a, a legacy platform, like, and I don't want to try to get, I'm not bashing any software to be clear, but if you're using an industry specific accounting platform, um, like a solution through like an applied or something like that, good luck when you go to, you know, or a Vertifor, uh, good luck when you go to go to have those conversations because you're going to be talking to data analysts 
that only know QuickBooks and Excel. So it better be in that format. So I have never used Accounting Seed or any platform that it relies on Accounting Seed, but uh, I, don't, I don't have any firsthand experience at yeah. all. I hear a lot of complaining about Accounting Seed specifically because uh, I know Neon, uh, Varuna slash Neon uses that for the accounting function, if I understand correctly. Yeah. Uh, and does does Applied as well? Does does Epic use a, uh, Accounting Seed? Uh, they use a version of it, but it's all built in natively into um, Applied. Okay. It's their own. It, it, it's a. It's not the same exact thing. It's natively within Applied. They built it years ago. Well, and the only reason I'm even aware of that is my my group at SIAA has spent literally uh, seven figures on building out their own custom solution that's basically a highly modified version of of, of Varuna and Salesforce. Yeah. And I, I heard that it was accounting seed and I stepped back a little bit because I'm I've heard lots of negative feedback specifically about, you know, certain thir- third party accounting software, uh, mostly accounting seed because, you know, it, it's Ver- Veruna, Neon, Salesforce, whatever, HubSpot, whatever we're talking about out of the box, it's not going to be what a retail agent needs unless it is. Per, you know, properly set up and customized for the needs of the individual user. Right. And that is never more true than with the accounting. So, you know, anytime someone is talking about, oh, I'm, I'm looking to maybe move to, you know, Salesforce or HubSpot or uh, Zoho or whatever it happens to be, I'm just like, okay, well, who's your developer? Uh, how are you going to set up the everything the way that you need it to be for your agency? Because it, it's almost like, a, a canvas. Well, who's who's going to be holding the paintbrushes? Cool. You've got Salesforce. You've got uh, Varuna. You've got Zoho or whatever else it happens to be. Well, what are you going to do with the paintbrushes? Because they're just handing you a canvas and a, and a bucket of paintbrushes. Uh, our team, I, I, so, was, I was literally in a meeting this morning and somebody came to me and said, hey, there's an agency that wants to come to a better agency, but they need to wait about three to four months because they're making a big accounting move. And I was like, can we take a step back here? Is that like are you moving accounting platforms? Is that going to help you grow your agency? Like yeah. moving accounting platforms should be as easy as I just plugged in QuickBooks to our bank account. And, and yep. I'm saying QuickBooks is like, a, a, and I'm toying around with that, but it should be as easy as you tie it into your bank account and whatever system you're using as your core point of system. And this is some of the things we're working with Ascend with and, some, and that we're really excited about is the ability to easily see commission that came into a trust account, when it needs to be moved, how it needs to be moved, and when you can actually count on it so that when it's plugged into your bank account, you can actually have proper reporting. But that should be handled by your, your you know, whoever handles your finances and accounting. That should not be handled by the agency owner. There should not be a move. The agency owner should not be focused on, we got to move accounting platforms. That's not helping you grow your agency. That's not helping, no. you know, that's not helping reach growth milestones that you're trying to do. That's not helping you progress or save time. That's just a move that I feel like that as an industry, there's just a mindset that says, oh, yeah, we got to move that for whatever reason. You made a a really excellent point there that that is not something the agency principal, the executive should be messing with. So there's a lot of of very small uh, offices that listen to this podcast. You know, it's a different audience than maybe a, a power producers with Carruthers or you know, some other industry podcast. A lot of the people that listen to this are early stage agency owners uh, or they are trying to move up market in the way that they do things and act big yeah. so that they can be better positioned to be big. So there's going to be an immediate pushback from a lot of the people that listen to this going, yeah, that's cool. I get that idea. Well, and James, how do I do that as a small agent, maybe a, a, a solo operator, maybe somebody sitting there with one or two or three uh, team members, probably a CSR and a producer. Uh, maybe you've got a VA or two. Who knows? But for, for the smaller agent, and I know a lot of those profile of people are on VA as right. well. What's your advice to someone who says, okay, I get it. I agree with you in concept. How in the world do I start moving in the direction of getting these things in order. I just don't have the time yeah. or the energy to do it myself. My first recommendation would be to try to find like an outsourced financial service. Probably a CPA that you're familiar with can recommend somebody uh, if they don't do it themselves. That that Like if you could pull that off, it probably costs you a couple hundred dollars to a thousand dollars a month, depending on how much work you need. Uh, that would be my recommendation. If you can't do that, yeah. 
I, I I'm going to go. I'm going to recommend the most scalable route. This is the same route that I'm seeing solo agents do it. And I'm seeing it's the same route that, again, going back to that CFO, they're doing a billion dollars plus in premium every per year. Same solution they have. Hook up QuickBooks to your bank account. Now your financial reporting is done. You don't even need to look at it. Really, you need to make sure that that's there for accounting at the end of the year. Your CPA knows is going to know QuickBooks. You don't have to worry about that. Everything is fine and good to go, right? Now, the the biggest thing after that is you're saying you're going up market, you're trying to do agency bill and things like that. Now, you need to make sure you're using a tool that's going to report to you and tell you exactly, okay, here's what's in your trust account. Here's what's in your you know commissions. I use trust and commissions because it's easier for me to understand. Trust, I can't touch. Commissions, yep. I can't touch. But what's in your trust account? Yep. And basically, each month, what can be moved over, essentially, and looking at different yep. tools that can maybe make that more automated for you as well. Love it. You know, and, and full transparency, I'm sitting here with an unknown quantity of revenue because before we got on board with uh, agency CFO uh, April of last year, we didn't really have any way of keeping track of all of this. I had you know, a buffer, as I called it, and thought that it was good justification to myself. Oh, I've got a buffer of, of revenue sitting in the trust account, which is, if I'm being entirely honest, is code for... I'm not really sure how much of that is revenue. I, I know that I owe a certain amount for you know, accounts payable to an MGA or a wholesaler. Right. I'm not really sure exactly how much. I know it's somewhere around X dollars. You know, at any point in the month, it might be 10 grand, 12, 15, 20, who knows. Uh, at this point, I have somewhere around $30,000, $35,000 of revenue sitting in that trust account, but I really don't have any idea how, uh, exactly what it is. And I mean, that's after... We've come a long way and our reporting is a lot more dialed in. Right. But even me sitting here as the host of a podcast, I'm going, we're still not 100%. There's still a, a significant amount of, of improvement left to be done uh, in, in the moving it over from trust to operating. So it, it, all of that goes back to say outsourcing is absolutely critical. Uh, I agree 100%. The bookkeeper the CPA, ideally a CPA that has an in-house bookkeeping service where, you know, they talk it, to each it, other. This openly. is not unique to insurance. And I think that's my point is like you don't need to be a specialist for your agency because it's unique to insurance. It is not. This is very common. Yeah. We deal with it like as a software company. This is across the industry. And that's, you know, it doesn't need to get more complicated than is if you got paid up front for something and it's... Um, you know, it's unearned commission, stay in the trust account, plug into a formula and move it over once a month. If that's what you got to do, don't make it more complicated than that. And then if yep. you have carriers that pay as earned, well, then that's even better because now you don't have to literally do anything. Um, it's just yep. standard accounting, but you don't need to make this complicated. You don't need to go and get like an accounting seed or an accounting specific software for insurance or anything like that. And the reason I say that is because if you do that, you are limiting the pool of people that can help you. There's yep. only like, for example, we hire, we hire developers and we're in Arizona, which is not known as maybe the insurance hub of the country. However, there's a lot of hubs out here. We have Allstate, we have Progressive, things like that. There's only so many engineers that have experience handling insurance data from carriers. And we try to go hire them. Do not limit your pool because that means you're paying more for an expertise that's probably not necessarily needed in this case because you're talking about very standard operations in terms of accounting if you're doing direct bill. It's moving from a trust account, moving to a commissions account. That is the same as real estate. That is the same as what we do in software, essentially, right? It's just we don't necessarily need a trust account, but it's the same concept. And so you can do that on a monthly basis very easily with some standardized reporting that you can get out of the box with just about you know our platform or others' platforms. You don't need an, an insurance-specific accounting platform. You can get started with just QuickBooks and call it a day, connect it to your bank account, and you're going to have everything you need for taxes and for reporting and for liabilities, which is at the end of the day, the goal of your accounting software. Absolutely. Rule number one as CEO, yeah, I, I, I get told this all the time. You have three rules as a CEO. Set the vision, hire, don't run out of money. That's your, Those are your three. If you run the company, if you're the CEO, if you're the principal, if you own the company, those are your, those are your three jobs. Set the vision, hire correctly, don't run out of money. Those are your three goals. Those are the three things you should be focused on as, an, as a principal. Love it. Now, I could not say it any better myself because, you know, all the things we talk about, sales and marketing, operating, you know, in a back of house, everything that we spend our time in is one of those three. 
Yeah. So don't run out of money, you know, could be just as simple as go sell some more insurance. Okay, sales and marketing, you're good to go. Right. Correct. Yeah, yeah it could be a couple different things, right? HR, compliance, legal, et cetera. It's all wrapped up in those three things, man. Uh, as we land this plane, uh, let me just summarize real quick for those of you that are going, holy crap, I don't even know where we the, are. The, like, what the, are we even too talking long about didn't right read now? Version. Yes, the, yes, the too long didn't read version. It comes down to you got to have a plan in place to manage your cash flow correctly. If there is a difference between written and earned in your office, you got to have something figured out uh, for how you're going to account for those differences and moving money over to an operating account once it's actually earned. And then the second one is if you don't have an outsourced relationship uh, with a, a quality bookkeeper and or CPA, or in my case, a fractional CFO, uh, there's there's really only two or three fractional CFOs that I'm aware of that operate with any kind of significant expertise in the insurance industry. So uh, figure out one of those if that's something you're into. For me, it was absolutely the right move. I've been pretty clear on on my relying on their advice for a lot of this big picture stuff like the move in our comp uh, comp plan to net revenue growth instead of traditional new business and renewal splits. Uh, what are we missing? Anything you want to talk about before we land this? Yeah, plan? I think the only thing I would add on to that is make sure you're not doing accrual-based accounting when you should be doing cash-based accounting. Uh, and that really has to do with how the carriers look at things. Um, yep. And you don't need to be on an insurance-specific accounting platform. I think that's the biggest myth that I was like, whoa, people need to be on these different platforms when I entered this industry because of accounting. And I think the biggest myth as I'm talking to top 100 agencies um, across the nation all the way down to one or two person agencies is whether you're doing direct bill or agency bill or carries that pay as earned versus unearned or however you're doing it, use the standard methodology of accounting and your life is going to be a thousand percent easier. If you want to make it very complex, you're going to limit the people that can help you and you're going to make your life a headache. Just I, yeah. I use QuickBooks as my example, but use the industry standard because that's what every LP is going to look for. Every investment fund, every PE group, if you're looking to get acquired as an agency, all of their data analysts are going to use QuickBooks and Excel. Now, you've used the LP acronym. I know three or four different LPs. What are we talking about in that acronym? Uh, sorry. So LP could be, uh, uh, I, actually, I use it kind of interchangeably as well. Uh, it could be based for a lender. Usually, I use it as a check writer for the backing of a PE group or a vet, an investment firm, the actual check writers. Okay. When when I hear LP, my head goes to limited partner because that's how it, it yeah. is in a lot of the real estate stuff. And I know that's not the correct LP that you correct. refer yeah, to. Yeah, I use it from a financial. So basically the uh, the investors into a PE fund. Gotcha. Okay. So it, it is still limited partner. It's right. just a different application, different application of the, the, the real, limited yeah. partner. I know you do have okay, real cool. estate uh, realm, but yeah, a little bit different. Yeah. Same I've idea. Spent, still every partner. time you yeah. said LP, every time you said LP in this episode was like, I'm going to pretend like I know which LP he's talking about. Sorry, but I, I, I spent too, yeah, I spent too much time talking to <laughs> uh, uh, to to PE groups and understanding what they're trying to do in insurance and and how that affects agencies yeah. and, uh, as well as agents. So you guys are in the middle of a fundraising round right now. Is this still Series A, or have you closed that off? Uh, so um, we are actually not. We're actually not in the middle of it yet. Um, we are not currently fundraising yet. Uh, we may be doing that. There's some strategic reasons why I think the biggest... Oh, well, then I just put my foot all the way in my mouth. I thought that you were in no, the middle no, no. of, I'm, I'm very, of yeah, fundraising. I'm, I'm open about it. And we may make some news about that down the road. We're not currently fundraising. Uh, we may fundraise. Uh, the biggest reason why we look to do that is we're, you know, we are heavily, heavily invested in agency success. And I think the biggest thing, yeah. you know, the reason why we would do that is we're, we're looking right now where I spend most of my time. I spend a part of my time, you know, a big portion of my time, about 20 to 30% of my time is just looking through the insurance industry. I also spend about 20 ish percent of my time on a daily basis, actually talking to individual agents, learning more about, you know, and, and talking to them and learning more. But I think the one thing that, you know, as the other part of my time, I spend looking at like what's better agency going to be focused on in 10 years. And that's where you'll yeah. hear me talk about a lot about agency success. Like over the next decade, nobody's going to invest more time and money in helping agencies succeed than we are 
That's all we care about. That's all that yeah. matters is agency success. Whether you're on our platform or not, that's, it, it literally does not matter to us. We are all about changing. Our goal is in 10 years that every insurance policy that's sold is through an independent agent. And that's what we're focused on making happen and figuring out the models. Like we've learned a lot about the insure tech and direct to consumers and what they've done really well, but where have they fallen? We've learned a lot about that from the captive industry as well. That's where I spent all my time researching. And so we may fundraise mm. just to help us be able to do that because nobody's going to invest more time or resources into helping the independent channel than us. Um, and we're all about creating agency success and specifically independence. And that's why we love working with you and talking to you and some others. And, um, yep. you know, that's, that's, that's really our, our core focus is how do we help? How can we invest more time and resources besides just software into this space? Well, and honestly, I'm not sure how I got my head screwed on backwards thinking that you guys were already in a series round. So my bad there. That's I'm not even sure how I got that in my head. You know, when, when you talk about your commitment to the IA channel, it, it's really hard to not draw a, a clear distinction. And I know Agency Zoom is not your direct competition and they become less so with each passing month and especially now with the acquisition from Vertifor. But when you look at the makeup of a you know, quote unquote competing vendor yeah. like an agency Zoom, and you look at the founders being former Allstate agents. You look at the the key players in their ecosystem of uh, of users, whether it's a, a Mariah Gates who is an excellent captive agent, uh, or or someone like I can't think of anyone else that stands out as a, from a user perspective. But the number of people on the agency Zoom platform that are captive agents, Allstate being the most predominant. And there's also a lot of farmers agents on there. It's like, well, how is your vision applied for the IA channel in a unique and specific way that benefits the IA channel? The feature sets that are being developed, the, the roadmap of future development. You know, if you've got a heavy percentage of your user base that's in a completely different distribution channel, then there's going to be some scattershot going on. You know, you're going to have some things that just aren't relevant for the IA channel. And and this is not at all to bash agency Zoom. I just think it's interesting, you know, when you have that kind of fragmentation in a, in a user base, it's hard for you, especially you as, a, as the leader, a CEO, to have a coherent vision when the users of your platform are so scattered. It's different, it's different needs. Uh, it's, it's different needs. Um, and I think that's the hard part. And that's why I think, you know, it's different needs and philosophies. And like I said, like, that's why it's, you know, I don't, you know, to your point, I, I mean, I don't necessarily look at agency Zoom as competition or, 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 or really. Look at or anybody for that matter. You guys really are in a category of one at this point. The, the moment that you headed down the road of adding Ivan's and AMS style functionality, you basically created your own category. Yeah. And we tell people uh, all the time, like we don't, you know, we don't even look at them as competition to AMS providers because we look at things differently. Like if you're trying to manage your agency and you want to manage it, you know, day-to-day -day ops and be focused on golfing, which by the way, I had nothing against that. I'd love to be golfing. I'm a big time golfer. So if anybody wants to golf and hang out and talk insurance, I'm game. Uh, I live in Arizona, so it's a great place to golf. Um, you know, we're probably not a good fit from the software perspective, but there's still a lot that we do from agency success that I think can be helpful to agencies even regardless. But if you're somebody that's trying to push the agenda, grow, you know, grow faster, grow more efficiently, increase your revenue per employee, certain metrics that maybe the industry as a whole doesn't look like, like understanding your renewal ratio, your, your cross-sell capabilities, your, your long-term, your lifetime value. Your, uh, your average annual contract value with, with a client, if you're trying to increase those numbers and actually understand those numbers and look at that because insurance is no different than SaaS, then we're probably a good fit for you from that perspective. But I think, uh, you know, we, we're all in on the IA channel. That's all we've ever been. That's all we're ever about. And it's a lot bigger than software. And it's more about that initiative of how can we help agencies sell more insurance and how can we make it so that in 10 years time, that's our ambitious goal. It's something we talk about every day here. So how can we make it so that in 10 years time, we hit 2030, that every insurance policy is sold through an independent. Love it. You know, at this point, now that I'm a former agency Zoom user, I probably just need to go and sign up with Insured Mind for like a week and then cancel their subscription so I can say that I have been a former user of all three of the insurance industry CRMs. Uh, and I, I'm on active campaign now and I probably will be uh, until I go back to Better Agency at some point. Uh, as soon as you guys are ready with the feature set, I will be back. 
Uh, and that is almost a certainty at this point, especially now that I've left the industry and I'm on a CRM that is not in any way associated with the insurance industry. Uh, but that's a different conversation for a different day. And Roshan, in case you're wondering, I'm 100% joking. I wouldn't waste your time like that. Uh, Roshan Jaiswal of Insured Mind, I, you know, he's, he has uh, had some conversations no. with me on, on that subject. Uh, but hey, anyways, that is outside the scope of this interview. Uh, that's a, about it, isn't it? We're almost in five seconds. It's exactly one hour that we've been recording. So here's another episode where I can't help myself. It goes an hour, even if I don't want it to. Yeah. So you good? Anything else? No, no, I appreciate it. Those are the best conversations. We just let it rip for an hour. Man, I'm, I'm good as well. So, hey, Freedom Jumpers, thanks for joining us for another uh, amazing episode. This was great. Thank you to Will Shaw, CEO of Better Agency, for joining me on an eclectic uh, and in some uh, some ways, uh, unplanned conversation. So here, here you go. I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, nerdy, nuanced little journey. And uh, that's it for this episode. So we'll talk to you soon, boys and girls. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite podcasting platform to get automatic updates on every new episode and help other people find us organically. If you like the content you hear, please drop us a quick review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share agency freedom with someone you know who is still on the captive side of the insurance world. They'll thank you later. You can connect with other Freedom Jumpers, ask questions, get advice, and share your best practices in our Facebook group. Just type Agency Freedom Podcast in the search bar. Visit our website at agencyfreedompodcast.com to sign up for our email list and get access to exclusive resources and sign up to be a potential future guest on the show. We welcome your comments, feedback, and ideas. Email podcast at riskwell.com and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help our listeners go from captive to indie to market domination. Until next time, let's go.